Hi, everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Bio, a podcast that shares the stories of our extraordinary people from their perspectives. You're probably used to hearing Keith Bevins as the host of this series, but I'm Sherrod Apte, a partner in Bain's Bangkok office, and I will be hosting a few episodes focused on our advanced degree population in APAC. I'm joined today by Annabelle Chu, who's a manager in our Singapore office and has a PhD in material science from Stanford. Welcome, Annabelle. We're really glad to have you with us today. Thanks, Sharon. Glad to be here. You know, we're really interested to hear your journey of how you ended up in consulting and how you ended up at Bain. But I think before we get into that part of your story, what we'd really love to just hear is, you know, a little bit about who is Annabelle Chu and and sort of tell us where did you start out and, and sort of what were the influences along the way? Sure. So as you mentioned, I am currently based in Singapore, but I was actually born in Austin, Texas and returned to Singapore when I was four. My extended family is actually here in Singapore. And so that's what really has been drawing me back all this time. I was raised in Singapore and also spent some time in New York City for undergrad before moving to the Bay Area for grad school. And, you know, given that my family is here, just also had that on a personal note, really found that pull back to Singapore um, with Bain. What brought your parents to Austin that you would spend so much time there as a, as a kid growing up? Yeah, so my dad was actually a PhD in computer science. And so as part of his PhD education, he went there to study in UT Austin and just brought my mom along, had me, had my sister, graduated and decided it was time to go home. And so brought us all back to Singapore. You arrived back in Singapore at, at four years old. You know, tell us a little bit about that experience and, and sort of what were the things that you had to get adjusted to as you came back to Singapore from Austin, Texas. Yeah, sure. Coming back in from Austin, Texas, uh, I mean, I was young, so I don't, to be honest, I don't really remember much of it. But I remember, for one, that learning Chinese and coming back to this environment where a lot of people speak Chinese was really a challenge. But at the end of the day, my standard family is here. And so, for example, my cousins really helped me to integrate and I was raised here. I went to public school here and, you know, spending basically from primary school all the way to junior college before going to the U.S. for undergrad really helped me to. And, and so I really consider Singapore my home. I would say not only did you have to learn Chinese, you had to learn Singlish as a uh, did you arrive with a Texas accent as a four year old? Yes, I did. <laughs> so you can imagine I was definitely sticking out in kindergarten. And it was not a fun experience, but I think that I I would like to say that my Mandarin is a lot better now. And so that's definitely helped. You finished, say, high school in Singapore and then you you stayed in Singapore for college or you for your undergraduate degree, you went off to study somewhere else? Uh, No. So I went for my undergraduate to Columbia in New York City. And so that's where I did my undergrad also in material science. It's probably, I mean, given that I was born in the U.S., I always felt like that I should eventually return to the U.S. and spend some time there. And so that was one of the driving factors. Of course, also, since I was young, I was really a curious kid, really interested in science from young. We had all these kind of science camps over the school holidays and even, you know, in Singapore, these kind of science badges that you could get when you're in primary school almost like actual badges, right, that you wear on your uniform, kind of like Boy Scout badges of achievement. I think I remember one thing you could get was a young botanist badge if you collected, you know, the leaves around your house, different types, just to show that you were learning about things. And so those were one, those was one of the the first things that really drew me to science. And then in junior college, which is our equivalent of high school, I actually worked in a lab in Nanyang Technological University. So that's the local universities in Singapore. 
And I had the opportunity to, to work in a lab, work in a material science project, actually. So that was my first introduction into material science. And we built solar cells, actually. So uh, my first solar cell I ever built was made with titanium dioxide, which is actually a chemical that you can, you can find, active chemical you can find in sunscreen. But you can, what you can actually do with this is really make some really beautiful solar cells. They almost look opal in color because they have the similar crystal structure and similar scattering and light as opals. And with those solar cells, that was really just my first introduction to material science. And the idea that, you know, with this solar cell, something so simple as material that you can find in your sunscreen, you could actually, you know, potentially have an impact on global warming. Um, you could potentially even, I don't want to say change the world, but make something that has a much bigger impact than yourself. And so I think that was one of those things that really drew me into science, drew me into engineering. And that's a, a kind of a long way of me saying that's why I applied early decision to Columbia University. And then when I got in, I just leapt at the chance. And I mean, New York City is, is an amazing place, I'm sure you know. And so those four years there were really, really amazing. No, I love the story of, of, uh, of how you got interested in science and uh, how that morphed into sort of a desire to sort of save the world and do good. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful and compelling story. And then, so you, so you finished at Columbia, graduated with a, a bachelor's in, in science and material science. And then, and then what happened? And then I kind of looked around me, you know, when you're in New York City, a lot of people go the investment banking route or the consulting route right away. But I, I felt like I still had a lot more that I wanted to learn in material science. And so Going for my PhD just seemed like a natural choice. I mean, my father, as I mentioned, had done a PhD as well. And so he really encouraged me to see it almost just as another job, right? It's not really that you are going to school. Plus the fact that you do get paid for it kind of helps. But he just really encouraged me to to think about it, things a bit differently than maybe a traditional Asian parent might have done. And so that's what really led me to apply for a PhD program and got into Stanford and so made the decision to move out to the West Coast. So from one coast to the other, New yeah. York City to Berkeley. To Stanford. To Stanford, Palo Alto, sorry. So all of a sudden you're out on the West Coast and how long were you out there and, and sort of describe a little bit of your experience at Stanford? Yeah, so I was out there for five years. I was... I mean, moving to Stanford was a huge change, right? You go from New York City, Singapore, big, bustling, like, metropolis, <laughs> skyscraper environments to someplace that is so laid back, right? I mean, it's palm trees everywhere. It's like golf courses. It was, it was really different. The first night I, to be honest, I couldn't sleep because, not because I was worried about school, which maybe I should have been on hindsight, but because it was so quiet. Um, it was compared to Singapore, compared to New York, where there's like sirens, right? Every, every 10 minutes. It was like you could hear the crickets. You could see the stars and it was, it was just great. And I just loved being at Stanford because it's laid back, but it's also intense. You know, there's a lot going on. There's a whole startup environment. The joke at orientation was, what's your startup idea? You had to have a startup idea as part of orientation. If not, you know, they would turn you away. So being at Stanford was really a great experience. It was great to learn from my peers and also just, you know, enjoying the experience of being on the West Coast, right? You have so many great hiking spots, great seafood, even ski spots, Tahoe, just hours away. And so that was really, I really enjoyed my time in my in Stanford. You're nearing completing your PhD in material science and Tell us the story of how you, you went from that to thinking about a career in consulting and ultimately at Bain. We'd love to sort of 
connect the dots on that journey? Yeah, I think there were a couple of things. One was part of it, you know, being at Stanford, as I mentioned, the startup culture. Right, a lot of my friends went directly from material science PhD to running their own startup, and so I heard a lot of their challenges along the way. Because you know, as you know, it's not always just about the science. It's not about just having the right inventions. It's about how do you go to market? How do you bring the right product to the right consumer at the right time? And so hearing their struggles, it made me realize that. There's more to science. I mean, of course, that's probably very obvious, but just there are other skill sets that would be supplementary to my scientific skill set that I might want to learn. Second thing was I just wanted to keep learning. I think I, I mentioned this when thing going from undergrad to my grad school, but after grad school, I I had felt like that yes, I I knew a lot about material science, but I didn't want to stop there, and then. Lastly, to be honest, I had also gone for the traditional route. I had gone for a hardware engineering internship. I had a job offer in there, but I wasn't quite so sure that that was for me. I'd gone so narrow for so long, you know, being really deep in a field, that I kind of wanted to go broad again. And so, you know, all these things coming together, I felt that consulting was something that would allow me to, you know, keep learning, keep broadening my skill set, but at the same time, also just. Supplementing what I already had in science to to kind of round me out professionally, so to speak. And then you know, okay, so that sort of the story as to why you're interested in consulting, and and then tell us how you ended up at Bain and Company. Did you see an ad? Did you get an email? Did you go to an event? Yeah, so I attended one of the I think it's Advantage events in San Francisco. So one of the events specifically targeted to the advanced degree candidates, and so that was my first introduction to Bain and Company. I went over there. I, I visited. I loved the people. Loved the atmosphere. Everybody seemed so welcoming, and so I just really liked the fact that we really seemed like a real community, but also seemed like we were the focus on results was something that really appealed to me, and so that's what really drew me to Bain. And describe. I think you know a lot of PhD candidates get very intimidated by the interview process and having to go and think about case studies. Yeah. Share a little bit about your nightmares that you had before you went through the interviews, and then how you managed to get through it so successfully. Yeah, so I think I was pretty fortunate. So I mean, of course, I went to the usual consulting club events in school, practice with my friends, practice with people. But I think it's also about just getting used to this this mindset, right? The the case mindset and being able to be comfortable with uncertainty. I think I talked to this with a lot of the eighty candidates that I either prep for interviews or interview. You know that sometimes because in in science we we really want to drive towards data, right? We want to always have. Data backing our answer, and of course that's the ideal situation. But sometimes it's subjective as well, right? And so you just need to get used to it and being able to be to be okay with uncertainty, with to be able to make the decision, the best decision you can with the data that it's at hand. And so, really, just yes, to me it was somewhat of a nightmare in terms of just trying thinking about all all the the different ways that people could throw things at me as opposed to what I studied up. For for five years, right? It's totally different field, so to speak. But at the end of the day, through I guess practice, through just immersing myself in the material, it's almost like by diffusion, if I could use that word. Yeah, you just you just kind of learn and you as you go. And I think that's it's kind of how I've also that's been my attitude towards my career at Bain as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to you to touch a little bit because what you described there is sort of you know Bain the Bain approach is what we call answer first. 
as I always tell the teams, the only thing you know when you finish an answer first is that it's wrong when you start a case. And people always ask, how can you actually come up with an answer first in like the first week of a of a project? Maybe, maybe talk a little bit about sort of how, you know, as you started working at Bain and you had to sort of use that Bain toolkit of, of answer first versus a PhD of collect heaps and heaps of data, start to develop a set of hypotheses. I mean, you just described a little bit how they're sort of contradictory, but, you know, how did you reconcile and slip into working with teams and, and, and colleagues who were sort of more deeply steeped in that approach? And, and was it organ rejection or did you eventually, you know, obviously clearly you've been successful at shed a little bit of light on that process. Yeah, I, well, I can't take all the credit. I think I've been definitely working with teams where they've been super welcoming. They've been willing to, to teach me along the way. I think part of what's helped me is really what, number one, the apprenticeship culture at Bain, right? You learn by seeing how other people do it. For example, as a new consultant coming in, there are other experienced consultants on your team and just seeing how they do it, seeing how they approach the answer first, for example, really helped me to see what it could mean for myself to be similarly answer first, similarly kind of okay with the fact that I could be wrong, right, at the start. And actually, the second thing is that really helped me is the fact that in graduate school, we are also really hypothesis driven, right? We, we, we plan the experiments, yes, and we collect the data, but before we can plan the experiments, we need to have a sense of what we think might happen or what we expect to happen. And so in that sense, actually, you know, when I, when I sat down to think about it, hypothesis driven answer first really wasn't so much contradictory to what I had also been trained for as part of my PhD. Great. Listen, I, let's get into some of the casework since you've, you've been at Bain. And it, how long have you been at Bain and how, how many different projects have you worked on? Oh man, that's a test. So I've been at Bain for about two and a half years, almost coming up to three. And I would say, I think I've been at in about eight cases so far. I was actually thinking about it. My two longest cases at Bain, so the ones kind of more than six months, I've actually worked with you on. So that's been kind of fun. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think I've, I feel very fortunate at Bain to have really worked across multiple industries, clients, cases, even though I've been here for such a short time, you know, from telco to finance to, to, yeah, financial services and manufacturing, healthcare. I really enjoyed it because I really loved the breadth. I think I came into consulting wanting to have the breadth of experience and I feel like I've really been able to do that being. But at the same time, also, you know, since I've been so deeply entrenched in science, I've always all kept an eye out for projects that might involve science, engineering, and, and actually my current project, for example, involves semiconductors and involves consumer hardware. And so even that has been really, really f fulfilling for me because I've been able to use my background as part of this process as well. What's been the sort of most challenging thing coming in as a, as a PhD and not having an MBA from your, you know, from your view in terms of, you know, I, gee, I wish I'd learned that or, or, you know, I wish I'd known that before I started perspective. What, what would that, what would that thing be? Yeah. So I think, well, the biggest challenge for me was really getting used to this mindset, mindset shift of going from researcher to management consultant. I think it's just a different way of looking at the world and it took some getting used to. I think as researchers, we really dive deep into data, like dive deep really and into the details and the data really quickly. But as consultants, we have to remember to, you know, take a step back, look at the full picture and things like that. And 
I mean, I think that that in itself get, took some getting used to, but also just thinking about your question on what, what would I want to know bef- uh, before I started this? I think I would also want to know that it, it's okay to not know everything. It's okay to learn on the job and that, um, I mean, it's part of, it's almost part of the being a consultant is also learning, right? It's, you can't know, I guess you can't know every field, every industry and the details of that. And so that's, that's one of the things that I've been learning as well. Only because we did work together. I'd love for you to share a little bit, which is, you know, Annabelle helped a manufacturing company that's got a lot, a lot of their production here in Thailand on what we would call the new product development process. You don't necessarily know anything about that particular product that they're making when you started the case. And yet, and yet the, the sort of gentleman who was in charge of that process came to rely on you and sort of wouldn't hold meetings with us if you weren't there to, 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 to be by his side and, and, uh, talk a little bit about how you not knowing anything about in this particular instance, the industry was jewelry. How do you end up getting into a position where the, this person, I think he's been in the industry 30 plus years, comes to see you as being able to add value to the new, new product development process? Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, and that's just probably part of the, the job set that you learn not in as a PhD, but really as part of a, as a management consultant, which is that I would say that it probably, I probably didn't impress him with my knowledge of the jewelry industry. I probably didn't impress him with my knowledge of technical terms or product development, but it was more of the soft skills, right? It's more of the, the fact that I was willing to listen. I think I was, I reached out to, to different parts of this team. I mean, and I wouldn't say that this was an easy process for sure. For me, it was, it was a difficult process of understanding the, the ins and outs of the business, but I, what was really, to me, what made the difference and what made things click, especially with the team, is just being able to just sit with them, to problem solve, to listen to them, and to understand where their pain points are. I think sometimes we always rush to, or the pressure is to rush into an answer, right? To rush to say, okay, you should do this. But what I found really valuable, not just in this project, but across the projects I've done is in taking the time to, to sit with people, to understand the pressures and the challenges that they face. That's where we're really able to come up with a much more valuable, not just recommendation for the project, for the team, but also able to, to connect with them at a personal level. And, and to be honest, that, that would be one of the projects that I've definitely found most rewarding because we not just worked with them on optimizing the product development process, as you said, but really we, we helped them run design and run the pilot. We saw the pilot results come to life and just was able to walk to with the team together the entire process. And so to me, that was one of the most rewarding things to be able to do. Yeah, I got, I got to tell you, I was just there Monday and I ran into him and the first thing he did was ask me about you. So he still has very fond memories of you. Hey, last last question here, you know, to the other advanced degree candidates listening to this podcast who are interested in consulting and potentially interested in working at Bain, you know, what sort of advice would you have for them? I think there's a lot of nervousness and, and a lot of people potentially don't pursue maybe consulting because they think, oh, my God, I, you know, what what value can I bring, et cetera. But what sort of words of advice and encouragement would you give to other candidates? Yeah, I would say definitely dare to try, I would say. It definitely seems daunting at first, but when you go into it, the similarities between and the transferability between PhD and consulting is actually more than you might imagine. We're so hypothesis driven, similar to in a PhD. 
you know, and part of the PhD, you have to manage your own time as well and get to results similar to in consulting. And similarly, you know, the importance of being able to communicate your results to the broader scientific community. That's exactly what we do in consulting. And that's part of how we achieve the results that we do as well. And I would just say that one thing that I didn't realize before I came into Bain was how well that Bain preps us for this. Even before I joined in day one, I was able to do a training just for advanced degree candidates in San Francisco, where they gathered all of the candidates from across the U.S., and we had spent just one week, all of us advanced degrees, all of us on the same page, kind of not knowing anything and just really walked us through every step of, you know, the bank, what we call the bank toolkit, you know, what does it mean to do answer first and all those, all those basic things that probably maybe people who are, who had a degree in finance might take for granted. But there was just one of the ways that I thought Bain really helps to prepare or help prepare me for, for my role as a consultant coming in. And I really appreciated it. And so I think. For to the other people who might be thinking of coming in from an advanced degree role, it's not as daunting as you may think. And, and we are actually, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely something that you should try. Annabelle, you've got a wonderful story. I've really enjoyed you uh, sharing it with us. And uh, I'm sure lots of people out there are going to listen to this and, and get really energized and motivated to think about uh, consulting as a career. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, hopefully you have a chance to work with some other people, but I look forward down the road to uh, continue to work with you on some other projects in the future. Same here, Sharad. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Beyond the Bio. If you would like to share a review or give us input on what you would like to hear on the podcast, please email our inbox at beyondthebio@bain.com. We'll see you soon with some new episodes. Thanks for listening.